0: My conversation today is with Michael Gilbert. Michael has held multiple executive leadership positions at the iconic retailers, American Eagle, Gap and Kohl's. While he clearly had a lot of accomplishments within his executive corporate roles, he actually decided to take a break to focus on a different passion he had, which is helping young adults find mental wealth. Michael founded Luminous in September of 2022 with the goal of spreading positivity, encouragement and support by asking the question, what's your bright spot? Michael and I actually met when I was working on a TV show that Michael was part of, and we got started talking about his organization, mental health, and all the ways that society can have a really big impact on achieving this idea of mental wealth. So, Michael, what I'm really excited to talk about with you today is how you're helping people achieve this idea of mental wealth, and also what anyone listening can do to get closer to this as well. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Pleasure to be here.
0: So I shared a little bit about your background already, but could you just share in your own words a little bit about your corporate experience and then what was the really catalyst to actually starting Luminous?
1: Yeah, my corporate experience stems from my passion around product. From the time I was uh, eight years old, I can trace back my pursuit of the juxtaposition of performance and aesthetic and it started with my sporting goods my hockey stick my bicycle my tennis racket it turned into fashion when i became a vain teenager and it really turned into my career so my career was in fashion buying and merchandising i went to the fashion institute of technology to study Those topics actually turned that into my career over time, the three retailers that you mentioned. So that career served me well. And I left that at least temporarily in February of 2020, right before COVID. And it took me back to uh, some experiences I had, especially with my son, Simon, who was the inspiration for Luminous to begin in the first place. And that was that Simon had a lot of ups and downs in his life and a lot of challenges. And there's a podcast I recorded with him where he speaks about some of the challenges and dark places in his life. But my question to him and all of the people around him which were sort of mired in negativity and despair was, what's your bright spot? And it resonated with him. And he stepped back and he was able to think about some of the bright spots in his life and some of the things that makes him happy. And I thought about building an organization out of it back when I was working so the reason was really to help bring out positivity in people where they didn't see it in themselves and or in others so we're focused on young adults really 15 to 34 but with a hyper focus on 18 to 26 which was really those young adults going through transitions and i call it social therapy to build mental wealth so luminous is not meant to be clinical luminous supports clinical therapy for those who need it it's meant to bring communities of like-minded young adults together. And when I say like-minded, like-minded around positivity, encouragement, support. It's meant to be a diverse community of people that believe in those things. And we've had feedback from many people that they loved thinking about this question. So when I ask this question of people, young adults or adults, anybody really, um, you can see them thinking. The wheels are turning in their head. And sometimes they're trying to come up with a bright spot. Sometimes it's difficult for people to do it. But they always do. Always find a bright spot in their lives. And typically that bright spot involves other people and or pets. So it kind of backs up this premise of how do you find the bright spots in yourself and others? How do you inspire and motivate other people to ask the same questions? And people have said it's changed their lives, if only for a minute or 10 minutes or an hour, maybe a day. And maybe it leads them to finding solutions to focus on more positive things that are within them and helping other people to do the same.
0: Yeah, I love that question, first of all. like, What was the story of coming up with the question itself?
1: Yeah, so it was just instinctual. It was me listening to my son and talking about him and the people in his life. And again, about all the challenges in, in a negative context And I knew a lot of these people in his life, and I obviously knew him. And so it just came to my mind. Yeah, what's your bright spot? It was an actual literal question, (laughs) this conversation. But it's something that stuck with me because of his response to it. And again, when I started talking to other people and sort of um, testing out this, I guess, hypothesis that asking people an open-ended question about something positive would elicit a positive response, and it did. But I could see people's eyes light up and their facial expressions change, stopping to answer that question. It's become even more powerful than I would have imagined. And Luminous is more than just that question, but that's kind of like the core of where we're at. And we'll have other questions and challenges as an offshoot of what's your bright spot. Um, But it all leads to how do you think more positively? What tools do you have? What kind of resources? What kind of support do you have in your life to think more positively than you otherwise would? And that's what mental wealth is really all about. Because with mental wealth, you could start with nothing and build from there. You could start with a lot and also build from there. So it's not just for people that are lonely or have despair or depression or anxiety. You know, Luminous is for everybody. It could be the happiest person in the world to to the loneliest or the most oppressed.
0: And I I love the term that you use, mental well. I think I pointed that out to you one of the first times that we talked. How did you come up with the term or find the term mental well?
1: Yeah, interesting question. So I found it at a Foo Fighters concert. So the Foo Fighters are one of my favorite bands and one of my favorite drummers um, was, unfortunately was, past tense, Taylor Hawkins, who was the drummer of the Foo Fighters. And I had known that Taylor Hawkins had, some trouble with drugs and depression and his shirt that night said mental wealth so taylor hawkins who's no longer with us because he overdosed on drugs um right before the concert he was the inspiration for this just through his t-shirt so it's not a it's not a term that's terribly common he didn't wear that t-shirt very often but he happened to wear it in his concert in Milwaukee when I was thinking about Luminous and the principles around it. And I I love it as well. That's why we're using it.
0: So you mentioned that your son was a really big part in why you actually started Luminous and and your kids in general, I'm sure. And I, I would imagine that you've learned a lot from the parental perspective. What advice would you give to parents who want to better support their kids' mental health?
1: So I think the first thing that my wife and I have learned is you want to keep communication channels open and you know that's not so easily done sometimes through different phases of your children's adolescence uh, life so I think that's the, the key to try to meet them where they are to trust them and have an honest open relationship uh, my son happens to be a very honest uh, talkative a person who shared a lot with us, and that was great because we knew it was kind of going on in his life and in his mind for the most part, but it's also painful as a parent to watch your child uh, struggle. And as we think back, as I think back, most children and adolescents struggle in some way, shape, or form. That's part of growing up, it's part of becoming who we are, Um, but it's when they struggle more than the common person, where it becomes uh, painful. So, you know, as parents, we did everything we could to understand, to be supportive in ways that he recognizes, you know, today and is thankful for. And he's on his way to becoming the adult that he wants to be and somebody I no longer worry about the way I used to worry and I guess that's another piece of advice is you, you you can't control everything as a parent you might want to you might try to um, but you can't so spending excess energy on things you can't control is something my wife would advise me against. <laughs> I think she had a better way of handling that than I did, but I spent a lot of unnecessary energy worrying and wondering that wasn't necessarily productive for me. I don't think it you know, affected anybody else so much. I haven't really been to therapy in my life, except for once. And I was having prob I, I said this to the therapist, I'm having problems dealing with other people's problems. Yeah. <laughs> it's so. Uh... So it didn't last. I didn't get you know it just wasn't for me, but part of the problem in dealing with other people's problems was my problem in just being consumed by the problems of people around me. So I guess my advice would be to try not to be consumed, but be productive, understanding, keep communication lines open. and you know don't be learn not to be judgmental or as judgmental maybe as it was previously. And I just read, I think in the Wall Street Journal today, there was an article about schools instead of suspending students, um, they're finding more um, supportive ways to discipline students and keeping them in school, um, giving them, trying to understand what the underlying problems are that they're having in their life that maybe inspire them to to act out. And so I think when somebody's acting out, somebody's going through challenges in their life, there's usually some underlying issues which need to be discovered or uncovered, sometimes easily and sometimes not so easily. But I would, um, I would take the time and spend the energy uh, as a parent and trying to understand what the underlying issues are in why somebody's behaving you know the way they are, um, whether it be positive or not so positive, and um, how to support your children through the challenges that they're having in life, but not in a way that's coddling to them Or a way that's going to hold them back when they become independent adults, which is also a challenge these days.
0: I would imagine that being a parent in general is very difficult, let alone finding a balance of how much to, you know, protect your kid, like of of being a helicopter parent versus not. Did you find that as your kids grew up and kind of changed and were different ages, the way that you had to communicate to them was any different?
1: Well, first of all, I have two children. And they're both extremely different. So I think that's the other thing you have to understand is no two people are alike and no two people should be treated alike. (laughs) You know, from a parental perspective and back at us from the child's or the adolescence, teen, young adult perspective. So, no, I mean, uh, people grow up in phases and they hit certain milestones and different levels. Of maturity and different levels of being able to deal with things. In our son's case, the doctors used to tell us that his wires aren't fully connected, and someday when they are, you'll look back on this and you'll understand what I'm talking about. And we do, right? Because the more the wires are connected, and um, they don't just connect on their own; they connect through effort and you know courage and taking accountability for, you know, your life. And that's what my son eventually had the maturity to do, was to get his own therapy. He describes it as, you know, developing tools in his toolbox to deal with things that are more challenging and also the courage to focus on things that he knew um, he would be successful at and things that he would enjoy and thrive. Everything from people and relationships to his career to his, you know, activities. Um, he's basically curated a life that allows him to be happy and successful. And it wasn't without pain or courage or perseverance or accountability.
0: I mean, lucky for him, that he had you to have that communication open throughout it. I also know there are a lot of people out there who might be silently struggling because they don't have a supportive environment and maybe their communication lines aren't open sure. with whether it's with their family, whether it's with their friends. What would you recommend to people who don't necessarily have that that communication open or even just that support with with their family or even the just their close circle?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the reasons Limites is here is to provide community of people, again, with like-minded principles around optimism and positivity. So I would encourage anybody to find a community, as small as it might be. Community could be a couple of people around something that you embrace or, or love or enjoy. So whether it's a yoga class, it could be a religious organization, it could be whatever. It could just be friends having coffee. Communities allow you the opportunity to not be alone in your own thoughts, in your own suffering, and gives the ability to talk to somebody. Of course, you have to find people that are going to be supportive. And sometimes it takes a lot of courage to join a community of people that you may not know to be able to start there. Ideally, you can do it with people in your family, but that's not always possible. It's not always productive. <laughs> so it's not your own family. How do you find your own family of people that get you, that, that love you? And I think everybody has a story. And I think generally people are kind hearted. They want to hear and understand people's stories and they want to genuinely help and support people social media has sort of taken us down a different path from what i just described
0: yeah and and one of the reasons why i love luminous and really any organizations it, and it's bringing me back to the the topic of social therapy that you initially said a little bit earlier i think one of the most underutilized potential solutions to positive health mm-hmm. is social connection and ironically, it's also seemed to be what has changed the most over time when you look at technology and science and and just the way that the world has changed, with maybe a possible exception to like food and the way that we manage stress. And I really think there needs to be a different word for the way that we talk about connection through technology and the way that we talk about real life human social connection. The fact that I need to like put describing words in front of that I think, shows that they're two very different things. And they both are beneficial. But within the last thousand years, especially the last 50 to 100 years, even the last 10 years, honestly, have changed the way that we view connection and the way that we have access to connection. And both technology connection and face-to-face connection have their benefits right there are so many people that i would have never probably ever got the chance to meet if it weren't for technology which is great super grateful for it but just because something's beneficial and might have some of the overlapping effects of another thing that we need doesn't mean that it could actually replace what we really need right so like like think of celery it's good for you. It's got a lot of antioxidants and it's got a really high water content, right? You would never be able to consume enough celery to be able to fulfill our need for water because it's not water. It has a lot of the same properties as water and even, some, even more so in some aspects if you want to consider the antioxidant properties and things like that. But you wouldn't be able to consume enough celery to fulfill our water need. And I see the same as technology. Like It was never going to replace our innate need for real face-to-face connection. That's not the sole connection that we were designed to have. And from what I understand, you're not trying to replace the real connection by having it be a social platform, but really trying to leverage the social platform. Could you share a little bit about how you're leveraging the benefits of the online Luminous platform to actually help people get closer to the real social connection?
1: That's something I think about a lot and thought about before we launched Luminous was that, do I want to use what we consider to be partially evil mechanism called social media as a digital platform to build our platform? And my initial instinct was, was no, I don't really want to do that, but it is a way to build communities. And the, the goal for Luminous was to do it slowly and authentically. It wasn't about you know, getting as many likes as we need in the first day. It wasn't even about building a huge amount of followers. And it was meant to be interactive. It still is meant to be interactive digitally. And what we found that people outside of our own circles, meaning friends of friends and friends of my kids, who, when we asked them to submit a Bright Spot video, they did it happily, enthusiastically, wanted to, and are proud of what they did. And they're non-polished, quick, you know, representations of themselves, a part of themselves. But when we went to the broader community once we launched and asked, let's say, so-called strangers or people we didn't know personally to submit that kind of content, we basically had very, very little participation. And so it did lead me to understand that if we want to have an interactive community, it most likely needs to be in person, and it's going to be hard to do it um, online without a lot of engagement. And that was the end goal of Luminous to begin with. So that's okay. We just have to move, figure out how to move to that faster without a lot of funding, at least not today. So we do want to have book clubs, yoga classes, events, you know, creativity is a big part of Luminous's mission and entrepreneurship in young adults. Like how do you support somebody's art or their craft or their spoken word or their entrepreneurial idea or anything they want to explore. You need people to rally around something, maybe give you feedback, maybe give you support, as well as just the social component of this. And so it is something that I don't know that Luminous will ever be able to develop a digital interactive social media community that's going to give us the benefits that we're trying to, you know, put in front of people. And the other thing about luminous is it's meant to be commu- you know for the community of young adults um by the community of young adults so it's not necessarily luminous um publishing a bunch of content that we think is right that we believe in that we think is inspiring we try to do some of that and we'll do more going forward but it's really about what do the young adults want you know us to talk about what do they want to share you know, and give other people access to that they wouldn't have access to if it wasn't on social media. What do they want to do together related to events that we might sponsor or co-sponsor? And so it's really about tuning in to the community that we're attempting to serve so they can serve themselves in the way they see fit, not necessarily how I see fit. And one thing I'll say about being positive is Luminous is not naive, right? Luminous recognizes that people are struggling. Um, Not all the time, but sometimes. And, you know, young adults have unprecedented rates of anxiety, depression, loneliness, despair, and suicide. So obviously, we have a societal problem, you know, happening here. Luminous is just trying to do, you know, one tiny, small part of helping that gigantic you know, challenge that we're we're all dealing with. And I say well, we're all because we all love young adults in our lives. <laughs> it's not just the young adults themselves that are, you know, struggling with them you know, what's going on in society.
0: A big part of the, if you're saying fifteen to thirty-four year olds as well is the the workforce. And um I can't help because this is a lot of what I do in, in my full time job is is figuring out how we can improve the wellness in, in a very holistic sense of our employees and making sure that, that people are engaged and we have a good employee culture. You know, mental, mental wealth and mental health is a really big, big part of that. What have you noticed about mental health in the workplace?
1: Yeah, so keep in mind, I was in the workforce for a long time, so over 30 years. So I've seen a lot of change uh, for the better. Related to mental health, I think the corporate world has made the most amount of progress through and post-COVID: so while COVID was a disastrous, I think, in general, there are some positive outcomes related to workplace flexibility and the recognition that it's okay to not be OK. But I, lo- I love that. I love simplicity, right? So it's okay to not be OK. <laughs> yeah. What's your bright spot? When I grew up, from an individual contributor, and then to a manager, then to a leader of hundreds of people, you know, the expectation was that you, you show up for work as your work self. And I think in general, corporations would tolerate or accept, or maybe even be supportive of the obvious things. So if somebody dies in your family, bereavement, they sort of get that. If you're having a child. They understand that that's a big life change for you, and maybe you need a couple days off to support <laughs> whoever. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just a couple, just a couple days off, to have have a couple child. days <laughs> off, you know,
1: uh, But looking back, the corporate, corporations that I work for, at least. They sort of got that. But outside of that, you're pretty much expected to show up with your 100% work self. And there wasn't a lot of support or patience for, you know, kind of having a bad day or maybe being a little less productive. Now, keep in mind, I worked in retail and very competitive, sort of somewhat intense environments that were for-profit businesses, which may be different for some other industries, of course. And then within that, each corporation, as you mentioned, have different cultures. So I was fortunate, I only worked for three companies, as you mentioned, Gap, American Eagle, and Kohl's. And I was fortunate in that both Gap and Kohl's had sort of a compassionate conscience that recognized that people were human beings that advocated doing good in the communities. So that sort of cultural impact got stronger and stronger. And I, as I said, I believe it's stronger even today, because COVID sort of took a bit of the stigma away from admitting to ourselves that maybe we're not OK every day, or maybe we're dealing with something at home, where we can't be our whole 100, 100 percent intense self at work every day. You know as I look back, as it became if you're a manager or a leader of people, you have a responsibility to show up for them every day. So if you're an individual contributor, maybe today you're on Zoom a couple of days a week, you might be able to figure out some some escape to focus on some of your mental wellness or some challenges that you're having. But when you're a manager or a leader of lots of people, you kind of have a responsibility and an obligation to show up for them every day. And that takes it even to a different level of, I guess, discipline. <laughs> and focus to kind of leave whatever challenges you have at the door as much as possible. And looking back at my career, which was super intense with lots of travel and different places and lots of jet lag and, and eventually having offices in New York and Milwaukee and leading hundreds of people and $8 billion worth of business. I don't know how I did it, frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> to have a healthy family life. Yeah. For the most part, at least my kids and my wife tell me that I was there for them and I was present. Being physically and mentally exhausted most of the time and still figuring out how to muster up the energy to keep showing up in in such a strong and positive way almost every day of my work life. And if I think About that, I was lucky in that I didn't have a lot of levels of anxiety or depression, didn't have suicidal thoughts, things like that. So I was relatively mentally healthy. But looking back on that, also as a former leader of lots of people, I I don't know that I was as sensitive to all the things going on in their lives that, you know, make up their complete self at and out, you know, outside of work. And I think uh, going back into it, I would be more sensitive to the whole person and maybe be more patient, more understanding, ask more questions and care about the whole individual um, more than I had previously, even though I considered myself a caring, compassionate leader.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you bring up the difference between the individual contributor, the manager, and then maybe the higher you get up in leadership positions, because I didn't, I didn't really think about that impact and how that changes on mental health, too. And I know you speak a lot from from being a manager. Have you ever experienced because because you're talking about from from the manager's perspective, kind of to the individual contributor? Have you ever experienced anything either negative or positive about mental health in the workplace, sort of looking up at any of your bosses and and maybe how mental health was kind of handled for for you personally?
1: Yeah. So one experience I had, which I, I look back as very interesting, especially because it wasn't that long ago, but in, in some ways it was long ago because we've been through this COVID phase and uh, a bunch of different other events that have changed people's perspective. But as a senior leader, so I was a top 20 executive of a Fortune 200 company. So I reported directly to the CEO. And every year in most companies, you have what's called an IDP or individual development plan. And we took it pretty seriously. And so I had had professional coaches that worked with me on my IDP when I got to that level. And, um, you know, generally it's about things like, you know, you need to have better presentation skills or you know, better conflict resolution with your peer leaders. It's usually something kind of business-specific from a skill set perspective. And I had been through um, you know, some challenges. My brother had passed away recently. My son was having troubles. Businesses were challenging. I had a lot of sort of negative pressures on me at the time I was, as I was building this individual development plan. And so I decided if I was going to develop myself for the next year and forever, I need to focus more on my physical and mental well-being so I can show up as my best self, as a leader of big businesses and lots of people. I ran up by my coach, and my coach said, well, that's pretty unorthodox. I'm not sure how your boss is going to receive this, but if that's how you feel, go for it. And so I, so me being me, I did. And I sat down with my boss, the CEO, and presented my IDP. And when I presented the portion about, you know, mental and physical wellness, uh, she was as polite as she could be. But her facial expression told me, what are you doing? (laughs) Why would you ever present this to me as something you want to focus and work on? And it was a unique conversation because she herself focused a lot on routine, on fitness, on diet, on meditation. She was already doing a lot of things that I wanted to do more of. And in some ways, I was inspired by her to do those things.
0: Did you tell her that in the presentation?
1: Yeah, I don't know if I did or not. We, we got,
0: I wonder if that would have changed <laughs> the outcome.
1: It, it may have. You know, <laughs> people like to be propped up. and mm-hmm. you know, but she was shocked that I would present this, again, politely shocked, but shocked, as my individual development plan as a leader and told me to go back to the drawing board. And while it was great that I wanted to focus on those things, she didn't see it as something that needed to be part of my IDP. Now today, I think if people were to go to their boss at various levels, even the CEOs of companies, and present something similar to what I had presented today versus five years ago, I think they'd be encouraged, complimented, and supported in focusing on those types of things. But it's a different time, and I'm encouraged that it's a different time. I think that's a great thing. And that experience for me was fine. You know, I was discouraged, I guess, that I didn't get the support that I wanted. But it didn't preclude me from still working on those things whether I put it on a piece of paper. And it allowed me to have an honest conversation with my boss about what I think I needed to do to improve myself and show up better. And I think any boss would appreciate somebody being introspective about how they need to show up stronger and better for the company they work for.
0: Did you anticipate the lack of support? Or did you go into it completely thinking like, course, she's going to support me. It's, it's a great idea.
1: Uh, I thought she would be supportive, but I, I knew it was a unique approach. I, I sort of knew that nobody else would be doing this. And it was unique. It took, you know, took me some, to have some courage to be able to do it. And the, I didn't do it to, you know, be unique. I did it because I'm big on prioritization. And when I prioritized what I felt I needed to work on the most to show up as best, that rose to the top. It rose to number one, and part of that might have been because of the challenges and the exhaustion and the trying to be my best dad, husband, friend, and leader at the same time and having trouble um, without um, depleting myself, (laughs) doing all those things in the way that I wanted to.
0: What I think is really great now is it seems like there's a lot more research that's coming out to back up the impact on our health and not just physical health, but the social therapy and sleep and, and managing our stress. I think there's a lot more hard research that people can't really deny. Whereas before I think it was kind of looked down as I mean, maybe it works, but it's kind of fluff. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I think we're getting closer to a time that we're realizing that it's not just fluff. It's not just to, to make us feel better, but it actually makes a positive impact. So it's it's good to hear your perspective on how you think that is changing and going toward the better. I'm hoping that there are some good culture shifts when it comes to COVID's impact on companies. So I know one thing that we can that can be really helpful in whatever setting we're talking about, whether it's professional or personal, is access to resources. And obviously Luminous is a really great resource for that age group that you had mentioned that it's designed for. But aside from Luminous, what are some mental health resources that you would recommend to anybody that might be listening?
1: Yeah, so with Luminous, we, even though we're born in Milwaukee, we're still small. We see ourselves as uh, far-reaching. And so three um, resources we put on our website and with our link tree on our Instagram are Project Healthy Minds, which is an organization I love because they have a guidebook for people that are experiencing challenges, in multiple areas and so it's a great resource to go to to go to the guidebook and then try to get help with whatever you might be dealing with so that's that's one that we like it's relatively new they seem to be growing the Trevor project is another which you might be familiar with um, serves primarily LGBTQ communities you know there's there's a lot of data that suggests people in LGBTQ communities have even more challenges with depression anxiety self-harm and suicide. So the Trevor Project has been a great resource that we have on there as well. And then we have the suicide hotline for anybody that doesn't uh, know it, they can go there and uh, get help if they're, you know, in that kind of dire situation. And although I, I didn't mention this, but, you know, part of the background of being concerned about people and mental health, mental wealth, wellness is um, I'm haunted by, by suicide. And I'm haunted by suicide because of, you know, multiple people, acquaintances, friends, children, neighbors, children's fathers that have taken their lives by suicide. And that's probably the backstory to my concern and and motivation towards, you know, helping people to get propped up and have the patience to make it to the next step. Because in life, we're the pinnacle moments of our lives Ever last and neither do the, the worst moments of our lives don't last so for people to get through to maybe more of a common middle place to be able to deal with challenges is is one of my underlying motivations to get people to the step and not take their own lives
0: I'll definitely be sure to put in the in the written description so people can just immediately go go to those and regardless of the resources right it's going back to the community being able to find people that you can socially connect to. One thing we didn't talk about too much was the book Lost Connections, which I know you, you'd you started. I, I'd recommended it to you when we first met, but that's another really great resource that I'll put in there. I don't know if we have too much time to talk about it, but I, I really appreciate you sharing all those resources and and really just for everything that you shared in the conversation with me. And aside from the Luminous podcast and website, where else can people find you?
1: We're on the web at www lumen-us.org or you can follow us on instagram at lumen underscore us underscore
0: all right i will put that in the written description and before i let you off at the end of each of my episodes i have a challenge for each of the listeners any habit or specific action that they can take today or sometime throughout this week that will help them get closer to what we're talking about today
1: as i said i like to keep things simple so i think the, the habit will be to breathe with, you know, being conscious of your breath and coming in and and exhaling and ideally outside where it's hopefully fresh and, you know, maybe it's a little cool. Uh it's wintertime here in Milwaukee, so it could be a little cool and might be a little bit refreshing. But I think recognizing and being deliberate in in appreciating breath.
0: I I need to hear that. I that's one thing that I, I definitely sometimes struggle with but uh, huh. so thank you thank you for sharing that and i'm going to add a bonus challenge to anybody listening to ask yourself what your bright spot is because the more that we can bring the conversation about people's bright spots the more it becomes common tell your friends because i think it can be really powerful when you are aware of that once again thank you so much for coming on here and sharing all of your great insight with me
1: thank you christina can't wait to hear about all of your other upcoming podcasts and uh learn from you and what you're doing.